So last week, we kicked off a set of messages that, that we, we have taken some current phrases that we use in today's world, and we kind of turn them around and see what the Bible has to say about those few things in a title, sermon title called 140 Characters. Uh, Saturday, the women met um, in sisterhood. They had a great, great time, a room full of people. And uh, so if you're a woman here, every second Saturday of the month at 9.30 a.m., we're firing that back up again. And uh, Ryan, where's Ryan? Ryan Sicaro, is he around? Ryan, hey, uh, Ryan has a men's group that meets every other Sunday. Yeah, we have a men's group that meets every other Sunday. So I just encourage you to, if you're a guy, if you're a dude, all the dudes say, rah, rah, rah. That you uh, talk to Ryan after church so you can get plugged in, you can get connected. That's what we're all about here. But um, we've been taking these phrases and learning them a little bit. But before we go into that, I want to say a few of the phrases here um, that maybe you might recognize. Uh, so let's start with some 1950s phrases. Who was alive and around in the 1950s? Okay, so maybe you, maybe you know this. If you know this, say, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah. Okay? Um, how many of you know this phrase? That rises my berries. Yeah? Is that something you guys use? I really want to hear somebody say that. <laughs> yeah, that rises my berries. Um, another one, made in the shade. I mean, I still use that one. Got it made in the shade. Another 50 saying was everything is copacetic. Might remember those? Someone tell me what that means. Yeah, y'all don't know, right? It doesn't mean you're high. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I honestly really don't know why I said that. Okay, so here's some 1960s phrases. Um, that's a gas. You guys remember that? No? Okay. Um, another 60s phrase, uh, bug out. This is one I didn't know. Beat feet. You guys don't know what that means? Let's beat feet. Let's leave quickly. That's what that means. Um, here's one that we still use, I think, um, in the 1960s. I was kind of alive during that time. It was catch some rays. Catch some rays. You guys know what I'm talking about? Let's go out and catch some rays. Okay. Here's some 80s ones. Um, where's the beef? Remember that little old lady used to come on that Wendy's commercial? Where's the beef? <laughs> it's always so fun to me. Where's the beef? Um, this, was, this was one, I, I said it last week, but I'm gonna say it again because it got such a great reaction. And uh, all, all of my millennials don't even, they, you, you're gonna, I'm gonna read this, you're gonna go, what? Uh, gag me with a spoon? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Gag me with a spoon? Ugh, gag me with a spoon, right? Another one is wannabe. Quit being a wannabe, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so that's an 80s phrase. Now, 90s, okay, all my 90s, all my 90s people, give me a hand, yeah, whoop, whoop, okay, 90s, as if. Okay, these are phrases that were kind of copacetic in these times. Um, don't go there, don't go there. Um, this is one of my favorites. I still use it. Uh, getting jiggy with it. Na 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 na. Getting jiggy with it. Awesome. Will Smith. He's having some issues today. Uh, this is one that my wife uses. I'm gonna just. I'm just gonna tell on her. This is one she uses still till today. Um, home skillet. You guys know. You know. You know what that means. 
What's up, home skillet? My homie. Mm. So today's language, last week we, we, we talked about the word, because some, someone tell me real quick what we talked about last week. Salt, yeah, it's okay. You can say, if you don't know, it's okay. You can say it kind of like, kind of. Okay, salty. We talked about being salty, what that means, salty. So this is today's kind of language. That one's a little bit older, right? But um, salty, all right? Don't be salty, be salty. Remember we showed a, we showed a picture of Pastor Steve um, in his salty outfit? And it wasn't really him, but it was, in, but he dressed that way, okay? He used to go to Crackle Barrel with the salty costume on. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Okay, uh, today we're going to be talking about extra, what extra means. Today's topic is going to be don't, don't be extra, be extra. Okay, that's what we're going to talk about. So we're going to talk about a little bit extra. Spill the tea. Do you know what that means? Spill the tea. Yeah, spill the tea, right? Uh, no cap, that's one of my favorites. No cap. It doesn't mean like you don't have a cap on your bottle. Okay, <laughs> no, no cap. Okay, no, that's not what that means. And then another one of my personal favorites that I will never use because I'm too old to say this. You know, you get to a point in your life where your age, like if you say these things, it's like, yo, you're being extra. You're right, right? And so this one I like, but I, you'll never catch me saying it, which is bet. Right? Bet. Bet. It doesn't mean like placing bets. Okay. Bet. Okay. So these are kind of the phrases we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Um, we're going to take a, we're going to hit the pause button um, right in the middle to have our conference, which I'm so excited for. If you haven't registered yet for that, okay, please do so. Now the evening services are free. Come and partake, have fun, all those kinds of stuff. But during the day on Saturday, okay, starting at nine o'clock in the morning, all the way till about three, we're going to have specific ministry with Daniel Adams, the guy you just saw up there. Now, if you remember that video, there was a portion in that video where they were in a tent. Okay. You guys remember that video just real quick. All right. They're in the tent and they're all raising their hands. He says, you want the Holy Spirit? That was at a Baptist evening at a Baptist church, okay? And they all went, yes, we want it, boom. And they all got blasted and everything was cool, all right? So please uh, uh, sign up for that, register for that. You can do it online, but come to that. Um, I think you'll be extremely blessed. Like I said last week, this isn't just for a bunch of people. This is for you as our church, because okay, I believe God's going to uh, deposit something in this church and in us to where we can go into this new phase that I think that God is bringing us through. So I'm super excited about it. So anyway, today I want to talk to you about extra, what extra means, okay? And uh, so the word definition extra, and I know this is true because I looked it up in the Urban Dictionary, okay? The word extra, okay, means when you are over the top, when you're excessive, when you're dramatic, and it's mostly over nothing. Does anybody know someone in here that's extra? Okay, maybe your spouse sitting next to you is a little extra. Okay, um, um, like, you know, I come home and the dishes uh, are, you know, like, like, like she expects me to do the dishes for some reason. I don't understand why. And so and, and I said, baby, quit, quit being so extra. It's not that big of a deal. I just want you to know I really don't say that. I would not be standing here if I did. Being, being extra is a little bit like this. So person A would say, you're being too extra over a bag of hot Fritos. <laughs> person B says, hey, just don't touch my food. Okay, that is being extra. So, you know, extra people, this idea, this, this extra kind of feeling, this extra attitude that when people are extra, okay, dramatic, they got just over nothing. They're so, it can be so annoying at some times, Right? Could be so annoying. Extra could be, you know, there's a type of fan 
football fan that's extremely extra. And I'm telling you right now, us Viking fans are extremely extra. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, we could be losing by 30 and we still think we're better than you. Right, Lauren? Like, we still think that we're gonna win. Okay, we still, us Vikings fans still think, like today when we play against the Packers, we're gonna be losing by 50, but we're still gonna go, oh man, but we got two minutes left in the fourth quarter. I know there's that we can mount a comeback, baby. Yeah, and then we get super vocal about it. We get super about it. We just get super annoying about it. And then we don't want, no one wants to hang out with us, right? Because that's, and then come Monday, everything's cool. You know, it's like, all right, everything's good, right? But on Sunday, we're super extra. But there is one other fan that's extra, extra. And it rhymes with crackers. So, but I won't say that name because I fear for my life. Okay. I'm only saying that because it's Jersey Sunday and we're playing you guys. So I'm super excited about it. See, but when it comes to God, you can never be extra enough. Now I'm not talking about extra in the sense of annoying, excessive over nothing. Okay. We're going to redefine in the Christian language what this word extra means. Really, when we talk about being extra with Jesus, it's talking about being immersed, immersed in a relationship with Jesus, being so immersed in him that nothing else around you matters. Nothing else around you matters. See, in the Bible, there was two prophets. These men were anointed men of God. Elijah and Elisha. Who's tracking with me? Right? Elijah and Elisha. Now, I'll give you a, a, some brief history here about Elijah and Elisha before we move on so that way you know kind of who we're talking about. It's too easy for me to assume that everybody in this room knows who these two gentlemen are. Elijah and Elisha. Right? Most of the Christian world forgets about these two guys. Right, Elijah and Elisha. So, Elijah first, okay, he was first introduced in 1 Kings chapter 17 as the prophet who predicted a three year drought in the land. This is Elijah, okay? Now, Elijah, this is probably one of the coolest stories in the Bible, right? I, I love this story in the Bible because it, 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 it first depicts that God loves competition, number one, right? It also says that God is bigger than anything else. So, Elijah was the prophet who defeated the prophets of Baal on that day when he cast, when he, when he said, go ahead, guys, do whatever you want to do to your altar, fill it up with, 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 with gasoline if you want to, and see if your God will light your altar on fire. And he says, I promise you, I'm paraphrasing here, okay, he says, I promise you, God, your gods will not answer you, but my God will answer, and he will lick this up with fire, right? So they did that. The prophets of Baal got on their knees. They're cutting themselves. They're doing all this kind of stuff and they're doing all these rituals and nothing happened. Again, I'm paraphrasing again. So Elijah said to all of them, he says, I'll tell you what, to make this an even kind of spill, why don't you go ahead and get vats of water, bring it over and douse this thing with water. And I will show you that my God will still burn this altar up with fire. So they did that, they bring it all in. They did all that kind of stuff. They did all that. And paraphrasing again, Elijah just simply looked at heaven and said, get him. Right? 
fire shot down. Listen, I mean, just think, this is, not, this is not some kind of like allegory, okay? This isn't something that we just kind of think might have happened. This, is, this literally happened. Imagine fire coming from the sky, shooting down on this altar, burning everything up. And then the Bible says this, that even the water was dried up from it all. Amazing. This is who Elijah was. He was a man of God. He was a man after God. He was a man that worked in the powerful, supernatural realm of Jesus, of God himself. He had such a connection with God that God trusted him with that. So now, see, I love that story because, because he basically said, hey, my God won, your God lost. Love that. I love that. And let me just tell you something in today's culture, in today's world that we're living in, we're not serving a God who's going to lose. I don't care what's happening right now in our world. I don't care if it doesn't line up with our, with our moral values. It does not matter what's happening. Know this, that God is right in the middle and he's gonna lick this up. He's gonna light his church with, on fire, right? And nothing's gonna sustain it. Nothing, everything's gonna be burned away and all we're gonna be is just walking firebombs for Jesus. That's it. But we have to, we have to, we have to position ourselves and align ourselves in humility to him and surrender to him. We got to say to God, get him. And what that means is, get me, God. Everything that's not of you, burn it up. Everything that's not of you. Now, Elisha, moving on to Elisha, a little history about Elisha. Elisha was Elijah's disciple. He was his right-hand man, even to the point of Elijah being taken in the chariot fire. Everybody, everyone with me? Okay. Elijah was taken up in a chariot of fire. Elisha had so much respect, so much honor, so much love, and so much connection to Elijah that Elijah said to him, Elisha said to him, I will never leave you. No matter what happens, I'll be by your side to the very, very end. Then Elijah said to Elisha, you can have what I have if you see me taken. Pretty amazing. Now, in 2 Kings chapter 2, Elijah and Elisha crossed the Jordan River. This is how that story goes. On dry land. And Elisha, knowing that Elijah would not be with him much longer, asked this really great question. Elijah said, what do you want from me? And Elisha said, I want to be blessed with a double portion. Someone say double portion. Elisha said, I want to be blessed with a double portion of your spirit. Now, Elijah was taken directly into heaven by a chariot of fire. Elisha picked up Elijah's mantle and used it to cross the Jordan again on dry land. And on that day, Elisha received the double portion that he asked for and performed many miracles in Israel. Here's some of the miracles that Elisha performed. He turned the water, turned, turning of bad water into clean water. He caused the widow's oil to fill many jars and even raised a boy from the dead. You see, Elisha asked Elijah for an extra, someone say extra, for an extra portion of what he had. And in this story, 
Elijah said to Elisha, if you see me taken, you can have what I have. Even though he asked Elijah for his spirit, this spirit still came from God. It was the supernatural clothing, an extra portion of the clothing of heaven upon Elisha's life. And I got to thinking about this and talking to Pastor Steve a little bit as we just had a conversation. We both had this idea of, let me ask you this question. What are you doing to be a person that others want your spirit? What are you doing? What am I doing? Where people look at me and go, I want what he has. I'm not talking about my life. I'm not talking about my kids. I'm not talking about <laughs> anything else that goes on. You especially don't want my Vikings feel, okay? I know that, okay? I'm not talking about any of that. What I'm talking about is, am I carrying something that other people go, I want to walk in the same anointing of the Holy Spirit as he walks in. I want to walk in that same power. I want to walk in that same love. I want to walk in that same grace. And you know what, guys? God is asking us today, do you want to walk the way that Elijah walked? Do you want to walk in the way that Elisha walked? Do you want to walk in the way that Jesus himself walked in while here on earth? Because when he died on the cross, it was very simple and very easy. The veil was torn, and we got complete access to everything Elijah, Elisha, and Jesus has. Everything. But what is it that makes people go, I want what you have? How is your life a reflection of Christ in you? Do you find yourself leading others without really leading others? Do you see people naturally wanting to be around you? Or is your lives full of extra stuff? I'm not talking about the extra things that you do. I'm talking about the way you conduct your heart, the way you live from your heart. Is it full of malice? Is it full of anger? Is it full of bitterness? Is it full of unforgiveness? Yeah, you can come here, worship God, we lift you high. But during the week, tomorrow, Monday, when it comes down to it, will you be a reflection of who Christ is in you? Will you attract people to heaven or will you deflect them because of your attitude? This is what it comes down to it, guys. Elisha saw something in Elijah and he said, not only do I want to be like my discipler, I want an extra portion of what he has. I want an extra portion of what he has. Seeing what Elisha was asking about wasn't just his spirit. Elisha was asking Elijah, I want a double extra portion of your inheritance, of your right relationship with God. I want a double extra portion of how you were connected with God. I want more than what you had with him. That's what Elisha was asking. You see, this idea of a double portion in the Bible is one of a double blessing. That's what double portion means. It means a double blessing. And it was typically used in the Old Testament to refer to the birthright or the inheritance received by the oldest son. Now, get this. That transaction happened. Elisha picked up the mantle of Elijah, 
put it on himself. The mantle just simply means the anointing, the calling of God on his life. It's a representation. It was a cloth that they put over their heads, but it was something that they wore in, 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 in the place where they said, I want your mantle. Okay, I want your mantle. I want a double portion of your mantle. That transaction happened. Everything took place. Now Elisha's walking in this double portion, this extra portion of Elisha's blessing. It's recorded that Elisha literally did twice as many miracles. Elijah did 14 miracles. Elisha did 28 to the T. That's pretty amazing. If you just sit and think about that. <laughs> See, when you ask God for something, he's not someone who will give you a stone when you ask for bread. He's someone who says, you want this? You want this? Here it is. Now carry it. Do something with it. You want a double portion? You want, you want an extra anointing? You want the Holy Spirit to live in your life in such a way? Now he says, no, no, just don't sit there so you can feel good about yourself. Go out and multiply what I've given you. Go out and do the things that I've asked you to do. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's his promise to us, is that he's with us. And he's, say, he's uh, and I hate saying this because I don't want to give this idea that God's somewhere up in heaven, right? But he's looking down upon us going, I've given you everything you need to advance the kingdom of God. What are you going to do with it now? What are you going to do with it? God, listen to me. God not only gave you a double portion, but he gave you everything that you need for life, goodness, mercy, power, love, mercy, happiness, all these things. He's given those to you so you can go and multiply that in your life and in the lives around you. Now, let's fast forward to the New Testament. John chapter 14, you guys there? I'm not. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. Okay, I'll give you a second there to get there. I wanna encourage you to bring your Bibles. Normally, I would have something on the back screen, but I think it's really important that we learn how to read our Bibles again. Who's with me? There wasn't a good amen on that one, right? <laughs> I think it's really important for us to have our paper Bibles, notebooks, so we can learn. We can grow together. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. And it says, truly, truly, I'm reading out of the NASB. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And what? Greater works. Should I even say extra works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I might do it. I think I'll do it. No, I will do it. I will do it. I will. Listen to me, body of Christ. We need to come back to the place where we have confidence that when we ask God and we believe God, that he is going to do it. But there's a caveat, verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 
Now scooch on over to John chapter 16. Turn the page a couple of times. Let's go to John chapter 16, verses five through seven. John chapter 16, verses five through seven. If you're there, say, "Uh uh-huh. John chapter 16, five through seven. This is what it says. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Who is the helper? The Holy Spirit. If Jesus never left, if he never died on the cross, if he never went to the tomb, if he never raised on the third day, and if he never left this earth, the Holy Spirit would have never come. And at this moment, the disciples were going, please don't go. Please don't go. Please. They've only been with him for three and a half years. At this point, please don't go. Please, and he said, look, if I don't go, you won't get the extra that I've promised. If I don't go, you won't receive the extra that I've given. That is the Holy Spirit. But then he says, but if I go, I will send him to you. So here's the deal. Jesus said, greater works will you do if you believe. So how do we solidify our belief in these greater works? How do we do it? Let me suggest something to you this morning that it's not gonna come by us just trying. It's not gonna come from us just gritting and believing. No, it's gonna come from us being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit activated in our lives to see the extra things that he's promised us, the extra things we get to walk in, these extra things that we get to move in, these extra things that he died on the cross for and purchased on the cross, went to heaven and said, these are for you. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, activated in our lives. See, it's God's dream, his idea, his command is for us to not just represent him here with a coke and a smile, Of course I'm doing the gospel. I'm smiling like people. Yes, look, you should be happy. Do you guys realize that joy is heaven's serious business? <laughs> right? We should be happy, but let me tell you, God's idea for me and for you is to not just smile at people and think that they're getting it. No, it's for us to destroy the works of the devil. It's for us to destroy the works of of the enemy. Where there is sickness, he is the cure. Where there is defeat, he is victory. And guess what? You have the extra, the Holy Spirit within you, doused upon you so you can walk and bring that victory and bring that blessing and bring that healing and bring that redemption through you. Christ is counting on us to be his representation while we're here on earth. Now, according to scripture in Matthew chapter 10, a couple of chapters over. Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 through 8. Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 through 8. This is how I know that this is what his dream is for us. Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 through 8. And he says this, and as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 8, heal the sick. Wait, time out. Wait, hold on. Jesus, you're the healer, right? Yeah, he totally is. But guess who's with you? 
Does he say to pray for the sick? No. No. Oh my goodness. Help us, Lord, right? Help us to come up to the standard of which God calls us to. Now, I know that maybe some of us might be thinking to ourselves here right now, oh man, pastor, that is a lot to ask of. And let me tell you, I didn't ask it, Jesus did. He didn't say, I want you to go in there and just pray for the sick. No, he said, go, heal the sick. Raise the dead, is what he said. Cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give it. Freely you've received, freely give it. If we can just sit here for a moment and think to ourselves, is there anything impossible that Jesus can't do if he's with us? Is there anything impossible that he can't accomplish if he's sitting with us, if he's with us? Is there anything? What makes us think that he can't do something? What makes us think that he can't accomplish something through us? Because he is with us. He's closer than the skin on your body. That's how much he's inside of your heart. And he's with us. And he's saying to me, and he's saying to you, and he's saying to us, go and heal the sick. Why is he saying that? Because he believes in the Holy Spirit in you. Because that's him in you. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Let's take a couple of jaunts over. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. This is called the Great Commission. And maybe you've heard this. And you can play some music back there nice and light. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18, 18 through 20 says this. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority, someone say all authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, if Jesus has all authority, how much authority does the devil have? None. The only authority the devil has is the authority you give him. Look, if you're battling addiction this morning, it's not because Jesus isn't trying. It's because you're giving yourself over to what the enemy is trying to convince you that you are. If you're dealing with this depression or anxiety and these kinds of things, it's not because that's who you are. It's because we're believing a lie that the enemy's speaking to us that that's who we are. That is not your identity. That is not who you are. It's the authority that we are agreeing with with the enemy saying that over our lives. Again, if Jesus has all authority, how much authority does the devil have? None. Zero. Zilch. Big goose egg. Verse 18, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19. Then he says this, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, let me just break this down a little bit for you because the debate and the argument about this scripture is Jesus doesn't want us doing all these things. He wants us to make disciples. Let me just encourage you with something. In the New Testament, throughout the whole stinking New Testament, wherever there were signs, wonders, and miracles, disciples were made. I, I, don't, I don't think you just heard what I said. You wanna know why it doesn't say that? Because here's the thing. That's the expectation of Christ in us. He says, oh, oh, yeah, you're supposed to make disciples. Well, let me tell you, here's how you do it. You don't come up with a great message and a great sermon and 
come up with this extravagant teaching to convince people about Christ. No, you demonstrate Christ. You demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You demonstrate it. You got sickness? God can do it. Mm, mm, mm. God's got this. God's got this. Someone say that with me. God's got this. God's got this. He's got you. He's got this. You got sickness? He's got you. He's got this. You got something going on in your family? God's got this. God's got this. He's got this. He's got this. There's nothing greater that he can't take care of. There's nothing more that he can't handle in your life. You're dealing with some, some, some stuff inside of you right now that's causing anxiety, causing hardship, causing just confusion. I want you to know God's got this and he's speaking to you right now about it. The Holy Spirit is faithful. Don't fall into the trap of sin to thinking that you're something that you're not. I don't know who this is for, but it's for somebody. Don't fall into the trap to think it's something that you're not. Because from the time you were born, God says, I love you with all of my heart. And what's happened is that the enemy has come and tried to convince you and lie to you. And we believe those lies. I want you to know God wants to set you free from the lies in your life. So after Jesus gave this command in Matthew chapter 28, the disciples in the 120 that were in that time went to the upper room. I'm condensing this story big time. And they waited and they prayed. And I love this. Historians say that in the upper room that they prayed for 10 days before the promise of the extra Holy Spirit came in. Someone say extra. They prayed and they waited for 10 days. I'm telling you right now, I don't know if I could have been there. I don't know if I have enough intestinal fortitude to wait for 10 days for the promise. But God helped me to be in a position and aligned to just wait for him. To wait for him. I don't know, maybe you fall into this category. Let me tell you what I would have done. Time's up, God, I gave you 30 minutes and you didn't give me what I'm asking. What you promised me, you didn't give it to me. So I guess you must not be real. I guess you must not want this for me because it's 32 minutes now. Come on, somebody. How true is that in our lives? How real is that in our hearts? How real is that in our lives? Where we ask God, and we pray and we believe and we have faith and we're trusting God, but it seems like he's not answering. I want you to know something. It's only day nine. It's only day nine. You got one more day. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. You got one more day. Can you? Hold it for one more day. Can you believe for one more day? Because on that one day, on that 10th day, without expectation, the windows blew right open and the power of the Holy Spirit filled the room. <laughs> I like to believe 
and suggest to you this morning, there was actually more than 120 people that started off in the upper room. But they all went, I got a pot roast in the oven. But that's how you cook roast, I don't know. I got this, I don't, yeah, I don't know, God. I can't wait that long. And they missed out on the extra of the anointing of the Holy Spirit on their lives. Now, Jesus said something cool in this story. He says, greater works, right? You guys with me? He said, extra things you're gonna do more than I've done. Extra things you've done. Extra things you're gonna do than what I've done, right? He says, he says, greater things you're gonna do. Now, on that day, they got blasted with the Holy Ghost, man. Boom, fire fell. And it wasn't just like those little paintings with, you know, like a fish bait. Wasn't that? I believe they were so filled with the Holy Spirit that they lit on fire like Johnny Flame. Whew. Right? People were walking by that room and they're going, man, it's only eight in the morning. These people must be drunk. And literally, that's what happened. Right? I say, these guys must be drunk. Peter gets up and he begins to preach to 3,000 people. See, this is the greater because I don't remember Jesus. I know he had a following. I know he preached to the masses on the hillside. But on that day, 3,000 people came to know who Jesus was in one time. All because of the extra of the anointing of God on his life. Peter could have got up in his own strength and preached and nothing would have happened. But because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit falling in that place, he got up and spoke and 3,000 people came to know who Jesus was. That's powerful to me. Oh, you know what? That's after Jesus. And you know what that means? The book of Acts doesn't have amen at the end. That means we continue what they started. (laughs) we get to have the awesome privilege and honor to be a representation of who Christ is here on earth. And if that comes down to preaching to 3,000 people in one day, then it comes down to preaching to 3,000 people in one day. But all I know is what Jesus said. And he said, greater works will you do than I've done. That's what he said. And that's all I need to know. And on that day, like Elijah and Elisha, there was a transaction that took place. There was a shifting. There was something that happened. Now, let me just prophetically speak here for a moment, and then I'm going to close. I believe for the church, not just this church, but when I say the church, I'm talking about the church, okay? I believe that there is a new beginning that's happening right now in our church, in our churches worldwide, especially within this country. I believe that there's a new beginning. COVID tried to take it out. The stuff tried to happen. All the battles, all the wars, all the things that came down our pathway, all the, all the hardships in all the cities and all these things, it seems like, it seems like it's day nine. Bang, bang, just constantly being beaten like, like Ivan Drago. 
in Rocky Five. You guys know what I'm talking about? Pow, 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 pow. But all of a sudden, round 10. Day 10 comes around. And he's saying to you as a church, new beginnings are opening in your life. Are opening for you right now. See, God is moving in us in such a way where I believe that we're gonna begin to see the things that we read about in the book of Acts come to fruition in our life, in our culture. But not just what we read, but greater things, greater things. And he's gonna use you. That's the coolest thing about it. You, <laughs> me, me. That guy, the guy who looks at himself in the mirror and goes, man, I don't know about this. I don't have that jawline, you know? Like, I don't think they have a jawline called Puffy. <laughs> so stupid. I don't, yeah, I don't. No, God says, nah, Jake, you, you. Because I made you, I created you, I know you in and out, and I believe you can do it. And that's what God's saying to you this morning. So I want to close this morning by asking the Holy Spirit to come. Just asking him to come and just fill us this morning. Can we do that? Can we just take the next minute? Let's stand. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, you know what, Pastor Jake, man, I, I just need a fresh touch from God. I just need a fresh and filling of his spirit. <laughs> or maybe you're here this morning, you're like, you know what? I don't know who Jesus is. I want you to know right now is the day for you to come to know who Jesus is. He loves you so much. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's this misconception that you have to be perfect in order to come to God. You don't. If you ever, if you ever find a church that's perfect, don't go to it because you'll ruin it. Because this place is a perfect place for imperfect people. <laughs> Today is the day for you to come back to Jesus. Today is the day for you to come back to him. And it's very simple. You just say, God, forgive me my sin. Come into my life. Make me new. I want you again. But what I want to focus on here this morning is just the power of the Holy Spirit to come and fill us again. So if you can, if you want just a fresh touch from God, just quickly raise your hands. We won't do this for a long time. Right, just raise both of your hands right to heaven. And just say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Right now, in Jesus' name. Every single person. Now, it's got to come from your heart. It's got to come from you. Right? It's got to come from you. You got to want this. Okay? I can lead you all day long, but you got to want this. You tell him right now how much you want him right now. You tell him how much you want an infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You tell him right now you want to be filled with the power of God, with his power, with his love, with his mercy. Come on, you tell him right now with your, with your voice, lift it high. Come on, with your voice out loud, tell him right now. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I want you. I want a fresh touch of your spirit. I want a fresh touch of your anointing. I want a fresh touch, God, of your power. I want a fresh touch, God, of your love. God, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. God, I want to be filled right now with your Holy Spirit right now. In the name of Jesus, I want to be filled right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. 
Yeah, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, have your way right now. Father, I thank you for your glory. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your spirit. You are so good. <laughs> Listen to me, guys. I have to be obedient with this. The Bible says it's better to obey than to sacrifice. Although obedience sometimes requires sacrifice. So I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. This morning, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence and speaking in tongues, I want you to do that right now in Jesus' name. Come on. Just like that, that's just like that day in the upper room. He wants to fill you. Yeah, come on. More, Lord. More. More. There's nothing but life in here. That's it. There's nothing but life. Yeah, Jesus. We want more. We want more. We want more, Lord. You may be going, what is this? I want this. Just ask him. He's faithful to give. Remember, he won't give you a stone if you ask for bread. Just ask him. Say, God, I want to do this. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I love you so much. I thank you, Father. Amen.